Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay and Ellie. It's just you, Chris. You got to go. Oh, uh, sorry. I was distracted. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Innistrad, the dark planet Innistrad, is home to all mon- ma- manner of monsters and fiends? Demons strike dark bargains with foolish mortals. Werewolves rage in the night, hunting beasts and humans oh, with equal vigor. Vampires throw elaborate balls in moonlit mansions, feeding on the blood of the innocent. Did you did you know this about Innistrad? I learned it all from reading Planes of the Multiverse, a visual history by uh, some loser. Hey. <laughs> hurtful, hurtful. Yes, my my book is out. Um, it is. Well, I mean, we talked about it with Legends. Like, it is uh, very much an on ramp for like newer Vorthos. You've been listening to this podcast for a long time. There's probably nothing in there you don't know, but it is a fun little book to book to read. You know, I, I like it. I like it. Imagine like if you took all of our like little uh, world building episodes and condensed them down into a book with a bunch of really good art. Um, and that's what this book is, except it's all Jay, which is honestly most of our world building episodes anyways. <laughs> I mean, that is fair. That is entirely fair. You'll be missing out on like my little snide comments and jokes. But uh, otherwise, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's a good book. It's got lots of good art in it. Jay did a good job. Um you should buy it or at least like leave a review even if you don't buy it and say it's good um you can just yeah you can just you don't you don't need to do that if you like the book please leave a good review if you don't like the book you can also leave a bad review i it i'm not gonna take it personally um but people who like things are much less likely to be the ones leaving the reviews to begin with so yeah Okay, so let's talk about the news for the week. Uh, yeah, so we've got, like, everything for 2022 is lined up now. We've got a, a trip to Kamigawa again, which is just absolutely no one saw that coming. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little a little background for everyone. Uh, not only has Mark Rosewater been talking about Kamigawa nonstop on his blog for, like, a year... Uh, we also, I mean, someone might have leaked somewhere that, well, not really leaked, but someone found some public knowledge that Kamigawa Neon Destiny had been, like, copyrighted by Wizards of the Coast. So, so um, there's a catch-22. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. either you register the domains in advance, or Carrie buys them. <laughs> and could redirect it to anything. So, Yeah. <laughs> everyone quick go to the brotherswar.com um, you're damned if you do but, damned if you don't but yeah we're, we got kamigawa we're going to uh uh the the land of art deco demon mafia which is as you know very close to the heart of the people on this podcast because we're a lot of italian americans uh we're streets, going streets of new capenna i i i am oh. i am very excited for that especially like I, I was not technically a cultural consultant for Streets of New Capenna, uh, but there were some things I noted where I was like, no, 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 that's not how it happens. That's not how this goes. <laughs> uh, all I need to know is if there's going to be food tokens and if they're going to be cannolis. Oh my uh, god, that'd be amazing. Uh, we're going back to Dominaria for like a modern day set on Dominaria again, and it's it's interesting. Like it's you know the Dominaria United, whatever that has to mean. Uh, and then uh, we're going to the Brothers War. Like we're going to do a flashback set to what is essentially one of the most pivotal moments in Magic history, 
and we're doing that in a full set. It's not going to like be like a commander deck or like a whatever. It's just a full like premiere set set in the past during the Brothers War between Mishra and Urza's. So, so that's this, like a big, big lore thing. And I'm really excited about that. This was actually one. This is like the last secret I was told in 2018 that I've had to keep to myself for all this time uh but yeah i've i've known about this for for quite a while um and i have been very heavily involved in this set uh in in a lot more capacities than than i usually am so yep it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a good uh, one that's that's a that's a a quick rundown of 2022 there's probably there was a lot more announced there's commander stuff there's commander legends stuff there's so much uh, but we're not going to focus on that because we have uh, another piece of news that came out today. Well, not came out today, but another thing that came out today is uh, Jumpstart Historic Horizons on Arena. Uh, I have to mention this because there are new Planeswalkers, or at least Planeswalker cards coming to Arena, which means new Planeswalker voice lines, which means Lorelai's got a thread. So we'll uh, make sure to reference her thread or have it retweeted or something from our Twitter account. Uh, it's good. Lorelai is like an expert on writing planeswalkers at this point. She does great work, real good stuff. So check that out. Oh, and did we mention that we, uh, so for Vorthoses, more so than set announcements, the Netflix show we got our first look at uh, with some Gideon Jura. Um, We got a a turnaround and some early 3D modeling stuff from the show. And we got some uh, news and announcements for it. It was very cool. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. We're gonna get a show all about Gideon and Jace going off on adventures, and uh, well, the not a, that's a, the not well, that was the description they gave for the novel. They said that oh, okay. th- they then said that Gideon um, is the heart of the the show, but we didn't so get much more. We are detail getting yeah. There is a, a we're getting a, a prequel novel novella. Uh, some amount novel, of writing. how big is it? Novel by Django novel? Wexler. Novel, yeah, novel yeah. by Django Wexler uh jango uh, for jango. those of you who have been with us for a while uh wrote the sundered bond but also wrote the really excellent gathering storm that a lot of people did not get to see because of the kind of strange way it was distributed but the prequel story toward the spark the kind of main story for ravnica allegiance um he he wrote essentially a full novel for that uh it was just distributed in like chapter by chapter uh, did a really awesome job with, you know, Kaya, Vraska, Ral. A lot of that is translated into the Boom comic these days, although he's not writing it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see him write these characters. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be really exciting. I love getting some more long form magic fiction. It's good. Uh, we love our web series stories. We love the short stories. I personally love long form fiction. So getting a little bit of both. I'm glad that they figured out how to make that work, really. Uh, but that's like most of the news I think we want to talk about because we we have a lot to cover. We have like the history of an entire plane to cover this episode. So let's talk about the history of Innistrad. So, Chris, do you know what the earliest known event on Innistrad is? Uh, the creation of vampires. Is that right? Are you Are you cheating? Are you looking at our agenda right now when you answer that question? Jay, if I wasn't looking at the agenda, that would be a problem. Uh, but also, it's, you know, like, that's, I'm we don't kidding. really know anything before that. I'm just kidding. No, that's true. 
<clears throat> so the earliest known event we have around 7,000-ish years ago, uh, there is a nobleman named Edgar Markov out in the uh, region of Stensia, which is experiencing a famine. Uh, now, Edgar, he is already an alchemist. He's already dabbling in things he probably shouldn't be. When a demon named Shulgengar uh, comes to him and offers him, well, uh, offers him, you know, he wants he wants to make vampires. Shulgengar really wants to make vampires. Edgar at first is like, no, nah, man, I think I'm good. And so Shulgengar is heavily implied to have created the famine in uh, in order to force Edgar's hand. So they conduct a ritual where they uh, exsanguinate an angel and create a concoction that creates Innistrad's vampires. So Edgar becomes the very first vampire. He is the progenitor of all the vampires. Uh, and then he bestows the gift upon, um, it's implied uh, the heads of each of the families and his family are all given the actual like potion Whereas every other vampire is created from the usual biting and exchange of blood. To uh, just like any, just like any responsible uh, doctor, uh, Edgar, of course, experiments on his grandchild first. Yeah, so he gives Soren Markov his grandson, uh, who's already an adult, I believe, because uh, otherwise he would have been stuck as a child forever. Um, gives him the potion and uh soren's spark ignites in in reaction to what's going on here uh we catch up with him again now all that was told in a um offhand way in the original innistrad so let me give a little bit of context here um but and tell me if you heard this one before so there were books regularly coming out about magic story um, there for various reasons. The book line got canceled and the very next set after the books got canceled didn't have a book to go along with it. So they just put out summary, a summary article of the story uh, that was Innistrad and it actually happened for an entire year. We got a few story summary articles and we got a, couple side fictiony things uh really what was the beginnings of the magic story we know today uh jenna helland wrote uh, a bunch of it uh, a lot of the really great stuff has to do with gisa and garolf uh, who we'll talk about in a second but this story of edgar is from one of those side stories so then much more recently we got the story the lithomancer uh, where we learned Soren was the uh, mentor of this mysterious lithomancer whose name we did not know for five or six years. We just only knew them as the lithomancer. Uh, Soren was the mentor of Nahiri, and they both stumbled across some Eldrazi. Ugin met up with them and said, hey guys, you want to you wanna steal some extra dimensional horrors? And they're like, sure, we'll do that. Um, and then... Uh, Ugin said, you know, well, where should we store them? Uh, whose plane should we store them on? Uh, and Ugin and Soren really quickly touched their nose and said, not it. Um, and Hiri said, well, I guess it's my plane then. And they spent 40 years building a hedron network on, on uh, Zendikar in order to seal these Eldrazi away. Well, yeah, and uh, this was um, this was like 
pre-mending planeswalker times so these are three godlike beings and it took them that long and that much work to, to hide away the eldrazi so like this is this is like a big deal yeah to be clear it took like the nine titans like five minutes to blow up phyrexia the original phyrexia um not that it went well that was a whole story too uh <laughs> we'll get to that when we talk about the brothers war maybe uh maybe um, maybe, maybe um so as things happen uh ugin got got and soren realizing the need to protect innistrad from extra planar threats like the eldrazi began constructing the hell vault which was a chunk of moon silver he used what little lithomancy he had gleaned from nahiri uh to fashion as a prison for threats to the plane and uh the archangel avacyn to guard the plane now both of these kind of served as a uh, extra planar defense like keeping something like the eldrazi out um but avacyn also defended the plane from extra planar threats and um like when they actually got through like from planeswalkers and stuff as we learned when nahiri shows up upset that soren did not uh answer her summons because he was busy building this stuff there was a chance he couldn't hear and he didn't hear it uh it gets ugly real quick now, now do we do we know for sure that he didn't hear it or do we think that maybe he just ignored it i he's already enough of a d-bag that i want to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one like he he did show up much later right like he showed up in the first zendikar yeah. block and like he could have just said eh. um and he showed up when it was much more dangerous for him too so either he felt guilty then about what he did before or he would have done it but it just happened to be it happened to coincide when when he was working on these other projects for his plane now, my before we move on too much, my absolute favorite thing about the Hell Vault is how crappy it looks. Um, <laughs> because you know, you know that Soren never once asked Nahiri to learn how to do lithomancy. Soren never like tried to figure it out like with her help. He just watched her do it, and then one day was like, "Yeah, I could do that." <laughs> and that's why the Hell Vault looks like a crappy like children's silly putty version of a hedron with all the confidence of a mediocre white man he went for it anyway god and soren is so white like paper white <laughs> he really is um so nahiri is sealed inside the hell vault um fast forward we just talked about all the zendikar story so i don't want to go into it too much uh let's fast forward to three-ish like, year two or three-ish yeah. years ago in story i don't want to get too not specific because we don't know not how far long. the new set is or at least they haven't said publicly uh how far forward the new set is from the last innistrad set but there was about a year between the first two innistrad sets so you know it was like two years before war of the spark uh so two or three years before war of the spark i, I don't i don't feel like looking at my timeline for this it doesn't matter <laughs> um <clears throat> The Church of Avacyn has been created around Avacyn. Now, Avacyn has, uh, the there we talked about the four archangels last time. Uh, three of them are now working as members of the church. Uh, one of them, uh, Avacyn took care of uh, in the, um, you know, short walk off, a I'm sorry, long walk off a short pier kind of way uh, because she was consorting with demons. Um, but the Church of Avacyn is well-established now. 
uh, all the humans on Innistrad, for the most part, except for very small minorities of like cultists and things, they all worship Avacyn and rely on Avacynian magic in order to protect them. And it works. For the most part, it really works. Um, then comes Avacyn's duel with the demon Gristlebrand. So Gristlebrand uh, and Avacyn duel near the Hell Vault. Avacyn is about to seal Gristlebrand into the Hell Vault uh, when I believe, I don't remember exactly how it happens, but Avacyn gets stabbed um, by her own spear, I think. Chris, do you remember specifically? Oh, well, you know, it would be way easier to remember this if there was like a novel or stories for Innistrad. Um, so no, I don't remember the specifics. Well, regardless, Avacyn also gets caught. It, it, it ends up not mattering. Avacyn also gets caught in the Hell Vault. There is some worry that Avacyn was grievous, grievously wounded before being stranded in the Hell Vault. Uh, so that's another uh, area of tension. Like, if, if anyone were to break open the Hell Vault, would Avacyn even be restored? For, for all intents and purposes, uh, Avacyn is just dead. Like to, is, yes, to to, yeah. the, to the people of Innistrad. So mm-hmm. Micaeus Sasani, who is the Lunarch of the time, he's the pontiff, he's the head honcho of the church, which is a theocracy, so he's a leader of both the church and the government. Uh, he covers it up. Uh, all the bishops who are there are all sworn to silence, and they all keep going like nothing's wrong because, you know, that, that is such a great strategy for a government to, to take she's, in the middle of a crisis. She's not, she's not dead. She's just on a farm up in Keswick. <laughs> um. <laughs> she's on a farm in Keswick. All right. So enter Gisa and Geralf Sasani. Now, their relationship to uh, Micaeus and their uh, status as, you know, very highborn or as highborn as you can get amongst the, um, the, the, people of Innistrad uh they they get ignored when they really shouldn't be uh they get a lot of passes when they shouldn't get passes and eventually these two uh Gisa is a necromancer called a ghoul caller uh she uses magic to raise the dead and Garolf is a necroalchemist or a scabberin he uh stitches zombies together so basically one of them makes the black aligned zombies of the plane one of them makes the blue aligned frankenstein's monster style frankenstein's monster style zombies and all they do is bicker and bicker and bicker all the time now these stories so uh there are two stories the cursed blade and um uh the preview article Micaeus the unhallowed both have uh they both do a lot of storytelling in the form of letters and letters between these two. The Cursed Blade covers other stuff as well, uh, but it's a really fun bit of storytelling. And the letters these two write each other is hilarious. They are so childish. They are um, ridiculously immature. They are uh, ridiculously sociopathic. Uh, and it just makes for an amazing combination as they have little war games that end up <laughs> destroying their hometown. And it all kinds of get kind of gets overlooked because of the their family's influence. Yeah, the the important thing here to know is that they they just like for fun and games send like little platoons of zombies at each other uh, to see which one's the better one, basically. Mm. So like they've been kind of building up this. I don't want to say they've been building a standing army, but they've been building up zombies for a long time, uh, both scabber scabs and uh, actual you know zombie zombies so eventually these two get it into their heads that if they unite their forces 
there is nothing on Innistrad that could stop them. And so they go from their remote little town in um, in Gavany in the Moorlands all the way to Thraben's doors with their zombie army. Um, and this is a huge crisis for Thraben because Thraben does not have the defenses to fend off this massive army. It has been a long time since they've been attacked like this. And all the Avicenian magic is weakened or ineffective altogether. So the, uh, I think his name is Lothar, the uh, head of Thraben's Cathar guards. Uh, he ends up not being able to take the pressure uh and he is no longer let's let's leave it at no longer available because we we did not we did not do content warnings but huh. content warning their self-harm he, he he is he's not around um <clears throat> so thalia discovers this and is forced to take up the defense herself uh she decides that the best way to save the city is rather than try and repulse these zombies uh, she's going to lure them in to the outer ring of the city. The city's made up of several concentric rings. Um, and she's just going to burn that first ring down. So one thing you need to know about zombies on Innistrad, especially the scabs, uh, they're made with highly, the scabs are made with highly flammable uh, alchemic materials. So they burn real good. Uh, so Thalia does this. She, they pour oil everywhere. They leave thatch from the roofs everywhere. And this whole outer ring just burns and takes like almost the entire zombie army with it. Um, in, not before the uh, Gisa and Garolf get in there. Yeah. Uh, Garolf sneaks in and kills Micaeus. Uh, and so Micaeus is now dead. There's no leadership in the church. Uh, and in walks... Liliana Vess, who happens to show up looking for her demon Gristlebrand. Uh, she wants more info. She ends up stumbling across Garolf in the middle of this, uh, in the middle of the chaos of this invasion. Uh, Garolf gets a little bit of a crush on her uh, and tells her about how he killed the Lunark, and the Lunark would be the one to know what happened to that demon. Um, she goes and resurrects uh, Micaeus and learns about the issue with the Hell Vault. Uh, and then goes to the Hell Vault, and Thalia is there trying to guard it from this other necromancer who just randomly showed up uh, with what few guards she has remaining. And, oh, let me say that again when I'm not stretching and squeaking my chair. And she uses her Liliana of the Veil ultimate ability to give Thalia a choice. And Thalia chooses uh, her men over the Hell Vault. The Hell Vault is destroyed. Avicen is freed or restored, you might say. Gristlebrand also gets out. Uh, Gristlebrand tries to escape and Liliana hunts him down with the chain veil and kills him. Uh, I think kills him for good is the implication with the chain veil's power. He, he's, he's just completely destroyed. Um, <clears throat> and also released is Nahiri, who we talked about uh, last time as well um i'm sure that won't come up again though <laughs> <laughs> now we didn't know this at the time uh keep in mind this it would be several years before we learned about nahiri and the hell vault as well um but there were hints around the tarkir block that uh soren knew what had happened to nahiri uh and so people kind of suspected as we were going into shadows over innistrad if you weren't thinking about gristlebrand or how nahiri is avacyn uh that was that was probably your theory so between blocks, we got a couple stories, uh, mostly about Garrick uh, and Garrick's curse. 
So when Avicen was freed, something called the Curse Mute uh, happened. Basically, uh, as the restored defenders of humanity uh, were empowered, they went on this big hunt to hunt down all the remaining werewolves. There was a big group of werewolves. Avicen appears. Uh, basically, someone begs for mercy for the werewolves, and Avicen has so much power, she's able to enact what's called the Curse Mute, uh, which cures, or at least temporarily cures, most of the werewolves on the plane of their uh, lycanthropy. Uh, some are fused into the wolfier, which we talked a little bit about last time, and some um, some some aren't cured, but most most are most are cured. And in addition to those is Garrick, who has been cursed by Liliana and came to the plane to hunt her down. Uh, he didn't do a very good job. She she beats him up essentially, um, uh, but he feels some of his humanity start to return, only for it to disappear again very quickly. Uh, he has two different stories, which is about basically the same topic. Uh, <laughs> one is with uh, Odric, who is a uh, a Cathar. He's the captain of the Gavany Riders. Uh, he was responsible for transporting Gisa into to a uh, a prison. I think the Riders Lock. Um, after the assault, while Garolf got away. Uh, Grolf ends up sending a zombie to free her eventually anyway, but that's a separate thing. Anyway, uh, Garrick disappears from the plane, and a- another planeswalker, uh, his spark ignites. His name is Vronos. He is very badly injured, though, and his first planeswalk takes him to Esper. On Esper, he is healed, uh, and he gets like this awesome filigree mask. Uh, he ends up returning to Avacyn, and Avacyn uh, bids him to find Garrick. And that's how he gets his head cut off. <laughs> just just in case you're not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those are the stories between blocks. So basically, Duels of the Planeswalkers 2015. Um, there was like one or maybe one or two other side stories, but nothing terribly plot important. So enter. Yeah, and then uh, we everyone lived happily ever after because Avacyn was let out. Yeah, so the next set was um, Rainbows Over Innistrad, uh, where everything was was great, sunshine and rainbows. Oh, but no. So in Shadows Over Innistrad, uh, we are introduced to Arlen Cord, as well as uh, Hal and Elena, who we, we talked about all of them last time, uh-huh. and they're kind of their, their side of the story. I'm not going to get too much into them as well, but basically uh, Arlen is a werewolf who... Uh, was a Cathar, uh, but her spark ignited when she lost control of her werewolf form uh, and ended up attacking her former Cathar friends. She ends up getting a great deal of control over her powers and becomes kind of a defender of the wilds in Kessig. Uh, the hunters, Hal and Elena, end up running into her as they are discovering like the weird eldritch horror stuff that's going on on the plane. Um. And then we're introduced to Avicen again, who is answering prayers, but something starts to go wrong and she snaps. Uh, and she goes from defender of humanity, if lacking affect or really any real care about humanity, because she's kind of, remember, she's an angel created by a vampire. She, she, she doesn't have a lot of, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, empathy. She's not compassionate. She's very good at protecting, but not very compassionate. But she, and she protects because it's her job. Uh, Avacyn is affected as are two of the other angel sisters, um, Bruna and Gisela. 
uh, they all confront Sigarda, who is not affected by whatever is affecting the other angels. Uh, Sigarda refuses to join them and ends up fighting them off and escaping from them. Uh, after Avacyn snaps, the Inquisition begins. So basically, Avacyn starts purging off humans who she sees as sinful, which is pretty much all of them. Kind of at random. And the church interprets this. All right, well, a couple things are going on. So first, uh, there are just corrupt people in the church who are more than happy to partake in bloodshed. There are actual zealots who believe now that Avacyn is attacking people that they should help. Um, because they're crazy and bloodthirsty. Uh, and then there are the believers in the church who are just kind of along for the ride. Um, so there are, there are multiple bad people in the church. And there are then the people who, are, who aren't quite sure of what's going on, but the church can't be doing something wrong, could it? Uh, Never. People, people fall into those various camps. Uh, Avacyn ends up killing um, a Lunark, uh, and a Lunark council made up of bishops is formed in their place. Uh, but some of the bishops happen to be cultists. Um, and so they're all kind of like, this whole inquisition begins. It's happening, it's starting off in the far-flung regions. It's not really obvious in Thraben. So a lot of like the main body of people don't even realize how bad it is. Or that how corrupt the Inquisition is. And some of them, I should note, I, I didn't mention this last camp, are people being corrupted by the influence of the Eldrazi. Because as all this is happening, uh, there's a lot of Eldritch Horror mutations kind of happening around the place. Um, so it's in this context uh, that uh, Odric finds Thalia, who is now a renegade Cathar because she was fighting against the Inquisition, who are slaughtering kids, and his old lieutenant, Grete. Uh, Odric is serving as the Lunark Marshal. Basically, he's the head Cathar who serves the council. Uh, and he, he at first doesn't believe Thalia, but eventually uh, realizes that Bishop Jaren, uh, with Thalia's help, uh, is a like the leader of the Skurstag cult at the at the time, and he's also one of the most influential bishops on the Lunark Council. Uh, when he realizes that justice isn't going to be done because the organization is just corrupt, uh, he helps Thalia and Greta escape. So it's at this point that Jace Balaren arrives, fresh off battle for Zendikar, uh, and he goes to Liliana Vess because he's trying to track down Soren Markov. So that he can find uh, the Lithomancer, and so he can find, uh, and they can help him find and seal Emrakul, the last of the Eldrazi. What could have happened to her? You think, guys? I don't know. Um, I just find it really funny that like there were people who weren't sure Emrakul was involved in all this, despite the fact that the previous block was them killing the other two of the three Titans, and then Jace just happens to show up on Innistrad, going, "Hey, I'm looking for Emrakul." Okay. 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 Let me, let me talk about that for a second. <laughs> so what you have to remember after Battle for Zendikar and all these wild theories, like it makes complete sense in hindsight, but before then plot lines were regularly abandoned for years and years and years before getting picked up somewhere. So 
Yes, it makes it makes much more sense now. And especially going in, it became clear very quickly. But there was a period of time before we really knew anything about the set that I think was quite reasonable to assume it was something else. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, anyways, Jace shows up and he gets a cool coat. Uh, he does get a cool coat. Yeah, Jace, Jace shows up like an extra from Clue uh, and gets like a, a, a trench coat because he's investigating the mystery. Uh, anyway, Liliana tells him to to get the walk in, essentially. Um, Jace goes out and explores Innistrad on his own and eventually finds his way to the Drownyard Temple, which is being worked on, this, this mysterious temple that's being worked on by zombies. So zombies, Liliana must be involved, right, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, Liliana does not have a monopoly on zombies. Let's just be clear. Right, there's maybe someone named uh, Gisa uh, who might be responsible, might have found a new BFF in Nahiri. Uh, I think I just gave away the game. Uh, wow. So anyway, spoiler alert for what we're going to talk about literally right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jace goes mad after um, trying to get into someone's mind who had gone mad with like an Eldrazi infection. He goes back kind of crazed and blames Liliana because of the zombies. Liliana, meanwhile, is is on the plane currently trying to get rid of the chain veil because she's realized its power is too much. Um, Jace ends up going to Thraben afterwards, where he encounters Tamio, who's trying to investigate what's going wrong on the, on the plane as well. Tamio doesn't really want to get too involved. She was right there to study things, but she does end up curing Jace, uh, and they both get attacked by Avacyn, who nearly kills them. Who has gone full on murderous in the Thraven Cathedral itself? Uh, when Soren finally arrives, the guy Jace was looking for, and unmakes Avacyn. He uh, he presses he presses that delete button, and uh, she is just gone. Uh, it's it's a really emotional moment too when you consider it. Like Avacyn is the closest thing that uh, Soren ever had to a child. Like there was no one else in his life that he like you know. Uh, mentored and taught and trained <laughs> and cared for uh, it was just avison yeah i'm sure her pale white uh <laughs> physique just came out of nowhere right there's no oh, yeah, reason I mean, whatsoever people thought she and nahiri might be the same uh but no it is like a really good moment in the story when avis when when soren kind of has to emotionally resign himself to destroying one of the only good things he's ever really created in his entire life Let's be honest. Anytime a broody vampire gets to brood, it's just good. It's good cinema. It's good cinema. Um, so we also learn through these stories uh, that uh, what we talked about earlier about Nahiri being sealed in the hell vault. Uh, we get a story as we move into Eldritch Moon. We get a story about how Nahiri, after being freed of the hell vault, went back to Zendikar and discovered it overrun by the Eldrazi and decides to get revenge. So she comes back, uh, ends up running into Gisa, who she recruits to help her build this Drownyard temple, and she builds this network of cryptoliths uh, all around the plane in order to lure Emrakul there and destroy the plane the way her plane had been destroyed. A little plot foreshadowing there is that uh, turns out zombies are the most reliable workers when everyone else is being driven mad by the Eldrazi. I wonder if that'll come up anytime soon. <laughs> um, so... Nahiri's plan comes to fruition with Avacyn dying. So basically, Nahiri gets what she wanted either way. Like, either Avacyn slaughtered humanity and Soren had to watch his whole plane get destroyed, 
or uh, Soren destroys Avacyn and Emrakul gets to come into the plane. So the latter happened. Emrakul rises out of the Drownyard Temple and begins to head to Thraben. The mutations that had been sort of forming for a while go full on crazy as lots of people are converted into these eldritch horror versions. The entire town of Hanweer, who has a really cool story by Alison Lurs called the Hanweer Chronicle, which was like this social media story about like news articles coming out of the town and letters coming out of the town as they slowly go mad until they, the entire town uh, essentially becomes one entity, this giant Eldrazi ooze that then oozes away. Uh, Brazella also forms from Bruna and Gisela, this giant angelic uh, Eldrazi monstrosity. Uh, she looks awesome, but if you're not into cosmic horror, body horror stuff, absolutely creepy as heck. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Soren, knowing what's happened, goes to rally the vampires. Olivia Valderan goes, yeah, we'll go to war. We're right behind you, Soren. Um, Soren and Nahiri have a duel. Uh, it ends up being just the two of them uh, in Markov Manor. And Nahiri leaves Soren in a rock. And Olivia's like, yeah, that's a good place for you. And leaves. <laughs> uh, because with Soren gone, she's essentially the most powerful vampire on the plane. And and Nahiri does this really cool thing where she kind of like faces the rock towards Emrakul so that Soren has to watch his plane be destroyed by this Eldrazi Titan. Exactly. So that's like a cool thing. Nahiri's a, a terrible, evil, horrible person. Uh, but she's got style. And I appreciate that. <laughs> um. So then we move back to Thalia, Odric, and Greta. Thalia is working with the Geist of St. Traft, uh, who lends him lends her his power, and that's how they're able to help stave off this Eldrazi corruption. Uh, so a lot of benevolent Geists come to help them. Odric, however, after cutting through a bunch of Cathars that he himself trained in order to escape the church that he dedicated his life to, that tried to kill him because they had were super corrupt and there's demon cultists on the Lunar Council. He is just he sits it out. He's like he he can't do it. He is he is pretty Kinda broken. Understandable. He's broken by the experience. So Thalia and the Geist forces all attack the the city. Uh, the vampires end up joining in. Even some like I, I believe Arlen Cord is meant to be there, but she's not really the the focus. But basically, like, even the monsters of the night come together to fight the Eldrazi. Uh, Thalia, St. Traft, uh, with the Spear of Avacyn and the help of Sigarda, who is dueling Brazella as the last Archangel remaining. Um, Thalia, with Traft's power, are able to lift the Spear of Avacyn and they defeat Brazella. Uh, they run her through with Avacyn's spear in a really cool moment. Um, and that's kind of the end of the Innistrad people's plot. So now you've got like Sigarda as the last archangel. There are already some sects to Sigarda being um, being formed. Uh, you've got the Order of Saint Traft, which is founded by Thalia with Saint Traft, uh, that uses these benevolent geists for for power in lieu of Avicennian magic. Um, and then you enter into the Gatewatch. Uh, the Gatewatch yeah. tries to fight Emrakul themselves, and it doesn't go well. Basically, they try and repeat yeah. what they did on Zendikar, and Nyssa can't access Innistrad's ley lines the same way she could on Zendikar. 
uh, which is what let them defeat the Eldrazi. So like their their big gun uh, is a non-starter. They're kind of getting their butts kicked when Liliana yes. finally <laughs> arrives, uh, having having a a moment of conscience. Um, Liliana arrives and with the power of the chain veil has summoned like the largest zombie army ever seen to help keep back the hordes of uh, Eldrazi-fied monsters. Emrakul, even still, Emrakul starts to get into the Planeswalker's heads when Jace, uh, contingency Jace had left in his mind activates and he goes through their minds one by one and frees them from the Eldrazi influence and ends up having this weird conversation with Emrakul before they all snap back together. Uh, Tamio ends up being there with them and she has these forbidden scrolls. She has these three iron bound forbidden scrolls and she ends up using one of them to give them the power to seal Emrakul. It's actually kind of cool because that forbidden scroll is actually the story of the collapse of Sarah's realm. Um, and it gives like a massive amount of power to the uh, sealing spell, which seals Emrakul into the moon. Except in a quiet moment after their victory, Jay starts talking to Tamiyo, who is very upset. And Tamiyo reveals that the spell shouldn't have worked like that. She isn't the one who rewrote the scroll to, to do the spell this way. Uh, and Jace realizes that in his weird conversation with Emrakul, she was writing something on a scroll that happened to be Tamiyo's scroll. And basically the implication is that Emrakul sealed herself into the moon because she felt something was amiss. She felt something was wrong. Like basically she realized that she was not at the as complete as she should have been and that there was something wrong. And so she sealed herself in the moon with a plane's worth of mana uh, in order to recover, maybe? We're not really given an idea of what. It's just left on a very ominous note. The the sentiment is that uh, Immerkul says something along the lines of, uh, why aren't these people happy to see me? They should be you know, praising me. They should be welcoming me. This should be a good thing that I'm here. Uh, and I think that she kind of gets the idea that this plane isn't ready for Immerkul. And so in that sense, she locks herself away. What that means, we don't necessarily know. Uh, the theory that at least I have and a lot of people have is that the Eldrazi Titans serve a purpose in the multiverse uh, to essentially eat dying planes and spit out new ones. Uh, and Immerkul showed up and was like, wow, this plane is not dying, hasn't been prepared by my other two siblings. No one tell Immerkul what happened to them. <laughs> keep it cool. Keep it quiet. Uh, and so she's just like, oh, well, this isn't the right time for me. I'll come back when this plane has been uh, reduced to rubble and distorted by my brothers. Yeah, there's so it's it's not really it's not entirely clear what the Eldrazi. There are a lot of theories as to what the Eldrazi do. That was my prevailing theory beforehand. Only I can. I, I Yeah, I can't I can't really speculate. There are a lot of theories. I would, I'll just put it like that. My before I was covered uh, under NDA six way to sun six ways to Sunday. I did very much believe in like the the world eaters slash natural cycle restorers. Like they they that I I posted a theory about how they consume dying planes and spit them out. But there's like there's all sorts of ways to interpret the Eldrazi. They could just be horrors from beyond the stars. Like it doesn't have to make sense. Um, so that does it for. Our last visit to Innistrad, 
our last main visit and then we had between the blocks we had a very excellent story by uh brandon sanderson yeah um before i i talk about a little bit about children of the nameless i do just want to say uh go back and read the promised end it is the story that is uh, essentially the end of the eldritch moon cycle uh it is some of the best moments for liliana in my opinion uh she's just absolutely incredible the build-up and the tension it was amazing to read when it came out and it's still good to read now uh just really good anyways uh but yeah after the events of eldritch moon we did get this uh novella by brandon sanderson which technically is no longer on the wizard's website but if you google how to read children of the nameless you'll probably find a link to it pretty easily just saying oh i'm sorry anyways, my, my mic cut out there chris I, I i couldn't hear any of that yeah, why don't yeah. you were you were, uh, you were you about to, to <laughs> go through the 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 plot of the Children of the Nameless? Go for it. Yeah, so um, Children of the Nameless is a novella, and it sort of centers around. And there, I'm not going to get too much into it because we don't have a lot of time left in this episode, and most of this is probably not relevant to the plot of the future Innistrad sets. We, we also had a huge episode way back when that that covered the whole thing as well. But essentially, there's a uh, a blind girl, Tacinda. Uh, she is living with her sister. Well, Tacinda is blind during the day, I believe, and her sister is blind during the night, or is it the other way around? I think it's, it's the other one of way those. around. Either, yeah. Anyways, they share a sight, is the point, uh, and they are the, sort of the protectors of this town, because Tacinda can use music magic and songs to repel evil, and her sister is a really highly capable fighter, uh, and this town is in a place called The Approaches, which gets no other sort of mention in the other Innistrad stories. Uh, this is sort of far away from Thraven. This is way out in the boonies. This is not a place where probably a lot of story that had happened in the Innistrad sets really mattered. Uh, but this town... It's its about it as was, remote um, as Kessig gets, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this town, it, uh, is, it's got a church for Avacyn, but the big deal about it, and the thing I think is really interesting, is that this village was used to have its own sort of religious practices around this bog, which was sort of treated as like a, a like a, a divine presence that was protecting them from the evils of the night. Uh, they would bury people in the bog, sort of surrendering their bodies to the bog to give them blessed sleep. Uh, it's just this side of Innistrad we really didn't get to see because the other two sets were focused around the angels and the church of Avacyn. And because of that, we sort of only really learned during this set really the extent that these sort of local religious practices were happening. Um, plot of the story ends up being that uh, Tacinda's sister is evil. Uh, she's been corrupted by this entity. I won't get into entities. Davriel Kane is there. He's like the you know lord of the manor of this town. Uh, everyone thinks he's a vampire. He's not. He's just got a bunch of demons. Way cooler than being a vampire. Uh they sort of fight through all these things that are coming at them. They fight through a bunch of ghosts. They end up discovering that this all, you know, is the problem of this entity who's trying to get the souls of the people of this town to give itself power. Uh, Tacinda ends up taking the power from the entity and she maybe planeswalks? We don't know. Uh, but yeah, the big takeaway from the story of Children of the Nameless is that essentially there are towns that, you know, have pre-Avicinian religious practices or have their own sort of 
local religious practices, and that could be relevant coming up from what little we know about Midnight Hunt. Yeah, the whole uh, Halloween vibe of Midnight Hunt doesn't exactly scream Church of Avicen. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's reasonable to assume that, especially in the absence of Avicen, there are going to be a more myriad of things that people turn to, uh, instead of just the church. Uh, and we see that in like the various turn cults, to the bog. <laughs> in the various cults Surrender around the plane, you know, there are a lot of cults worshiping different kinds of entities, not the same kind of entity as the bog, but just different kinds of deities uh whether or not they really are deities or not who knows uh and yeah we'll see uh in the new set how that turns out and anyway we i i I talked entirely too much tonight so let's go ahead and call it uh my final thought is i mean we already talked about my book but yeah if you want to check it out if you want to i mean i honestly i'm going to plug it I don't get paid anymore if it sells well, but if it sells well, I can. It's easier to get hired back onto things. Uh, so if you want to see me writing more stuff for Woods of the Coast, please pick it up. Make sure to leave a good review. Uh, I'd appreciate it. Uh, my final thought is uh, how much I would love to have a place where I can talk about theories involving uh, the bog and Innistrad and what Midnight Hunt is going to be about. Uh, it'd be really cool if I had huh. a place on the internet where I could gather with people to do that. Well, you, um, you know, I don't you know, know Chris, if you have any suggestions for me, Jay. You know, Chris, mm-hmm. the, there's there's a really great place. It's um, the Vorthos cast has a discord server where we do that kind of thing all the what? time. Yeah. As well as How talk about a discord the latest, the latest Marvel show. We talk about Pokemon, talk about all sorts of nerdy stuff and entertainment. Uh, it's a really great community. I, I really enjoyed being a part of it. It's basically one of the few communities I, I regularly participate in these days. Um, and you can join it by donating at uh, patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast. Uh, we have a couple different tiers. If you just want to do, you know, a dollar a month, just get access to the to the server, talk to some great people. We, ha- we you know, uh, we have to do like such so little moderation. I, I forget what to do, like when we have to do something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really great. Uh, everyone's pretty everyone's pretty chill. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and we also have a tier where if you want to listen to me flub uh, a whole lot trying to get these episodes done, you can also live listen to us. Um, and also hear some of our other side discussions that end up getting cut from the show. Uh, talk to us a little bit before and after the show. You know, it's, it's a good time. Uh, and that's again, uh, patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos cast. <laughs>